So excited to be back on another episode of the I2 podcast. And I hope you're doing well. I am excited for today. We have an incredible leader from right here in our city, Omaha, Nebraska, representing Habitat. Uh, Omaha. Her name is Amanda Brewer. Amanda, thank you so much for being a part today. Yeah, thank you, Josh. It's great to be here. I mean, I, I just want to say to start off, those who are listening, you are in for a treat because Amanda is the CEO of Habitat. Is it Habitat Omaha? Habitat for Humanity Omaha? Yep, Habitat for Humanity of Omaha, and we serve a five-county area. Yeah, you serve a five-county area, and you talk about somebody who has their hands in a lot of different things in our city and who's making incredible impact. Amanda is that woman. Every time we get together, I learn something. I understand stuff at a, a greater degree. And so excited to jump into your story, Amanda. And just want to start with uh, just even you getting connected to Habitat. What ultimately uh, got you connected there? I know you didn't start out, obviously, at the top, at the CEO position. Talk about just kind of your journey to getting connected to Habitat. Yeah, so uh, it was interesting. Uh, thank you for having me be on your podcast. And it gave me some time for some personal reflection. And uh, I will share a little bit. I think um, maybe have already shared this with you, but I always felt like I didn't have a specific plan for my life. Mm -hmm. Even at a young age, um, I had always a strong faith. Yep. Um, I felt though that I had to be ready for whatever God called me to do. Mm. And so if he wanted me to be a doctor, then I better be going to medical school, for example. Um, but as such, I always have had my eyes open um, mm. to what is around the corner or to what um, really God wants for me and um, the impact he wants me to make in my own life and in the those around me. And so uh, I was called. I was called to Habitat. Yep. I uh, had heard that you could volunteer full time and uh, had uh, kind of said a prayer, or kind of made a deal with God, you know, said, uh, tell me where you want me to go. And yep. I'll know where that is because it'll be the first place to take me. Mm. And it was Habitat for Humanity. And it was um, in hindsight, it was the absolute perfect organization for me. Uh, it aligns with all my values, uh, really believe in humanity, believe in people, yep. um, believe we all have something to contribute. And mm -hmm. I didn't know it then, but it really uh, was so perfect um, that it's just become a part of who I am 20, 24 years later. 24 years later. So yeah. How old were you when you kind of first got connected? Were you just coming out of college? Yeah, I had uh, graduated college and had, was working in Chicago uh, okay. for two years, uh, two different jobs there. And I just knew there had to be more to life uh, than what I was yep. um, doing. And uh, yeah, so I was 24. I packed my car, moved uh, down to Georgia to a small mm. town down there where the headquarters okay. uh, are. And and then the kind of the rest is history wow. <laughs> with lots of details in the middle. <laughs> I mean, that's amazing. So you, you kind of started out at the headquarters, which I'm sure gave you a ton of experience and kind of led you down the path you're on even right now. And I think, you know, I, I think I like, look, I like to look back and see the lesson that there was at the time. And 
um, the job I had right before moving to Georgia was at a staffing company okay. um, at a small boutique headhunter. And it just wasn't the job for me. And every no. day in the elevator, I'd say, I'm just biding my time, just biding my time. And then uh, when I went to Georgia, they uh, the, the volunteer job they put me in was um, in the staffing department because okay. I had that experience. And if I hadn't had this job that I just hated, I wouldn't have gotten those same opportunities yep. there, wow. uh, which really ended up being transformational. So I was, wow. I was very always in the moment. It's, you know, sometimes it's hard to be, but always trying to find, well, or just trying to know that whatever is happening now is preparing me for something in the future yeah. that only God can see. So good. See, th this is why I love doing these podcasts because <laughs> <laughs> you get to hear really what makes people who they are and really what leads them down the paths that they take. And I love a couple of things about your story. Number one, if you hate your job, you are in the right place for this season of your life <laughs> <laughs> because of what it might be preparing you for. Yeah. And just even having that perspective and how you've carried that perspective now, especially, I mean, I know, I know you can relate to this as you're leading people and as you see the potential that people have and you, you can, almost as a leader, you can see where they could rise to ranks and really lead at a high level. But a lot of times there's a season of their life where they're in a position that they don't love. And as a leader, trying to help them understand that will serve you well one day. If you just keep grinding it out, it's actually going to lead you to somewhere better. It's hard for people to see that, but obviously you're an example of that in the position you're in today and recognizing that's a part of this journey yeah. is, is sometimes doing things that maybe you wouldn't otherwise want to do. Yeah. Well, and that job also propelled me to look for service. It propelled yeah. me to do something different because I wasn't satisfied. So it was almost both things. It prepared me, but it also propelled me. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Preparation yeah. and propelled because <laughs> you were in a job that you knew. I, I love what you said. There was more to life than, than what you were kind of where you were. And so you were looking for that next thing. The other thing I love about what you said in your story is just the practicality. And, and, you know, a lot of times people sit back and they're like, man, what's, what's my purpose? What am I called to do? And they'll just wait and wait and wait. And you're like, Hey, I'm going to put some feelers out there. I'm going to apply for some things and whatever door opens up, whatever, you know, wh wherever I get that, yes, I'm going to head in that direction. Yeah. And for you, obviously, it happened with Habitat. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you the follow up, the part two. Uh, so I, you know, I didn't start out as CEO, um, but in 2005, uh, uh, th they invited me to apply for this position. And I had, at the time, I had left for a year and was working at Gallup. Okay. Uh, so I had uh, applied for it and, and I, I got the offer. And uh, it was funny because, you know, CEO, executive director, I had never led anyone uh, officially as a supervisor. Yep. And I really didn't have any, you know, very much experience at all. Uh, but I said a prayer at that time. And I said, um, you know, because I felt like I had enough skills. Uh, but I said, I don't have all the skills. And uh, I said, God, I will take this, but you have to send me the right people every step mm. of the way. Wow. And I am not kidding you, Josh, every step of the way, wow. the right people have been wow. there. And uh, I would call you one of those people. Um, you know, you were there at a critical moment um, 
in my life that mm. has helped shape me, but all along the way, um, the right people have been there. So that's, I think another, Amazing. another like reflection that we don't have to do it alone. Yep. Um, you know, God, I feel like God was sending the right people. So of course God's with you, but also we're never alone in our journey. If, if we ask for the help that we need. Yeah. And it's amazing. Yeah. When he invites us into something like you taking on that role, he's got the whole plan laid out. And so whether we feel like we're alone or not, when we say yes, when we respond, he'll continue to make our path straight and continue to bring the right people into our paths. I, I love that. I mean, you're, you're, you're again, your story. When I look at the leaders in our community, I, I put you at the top of the list when it comes to leadership and your tenacity, your desire to bring change. Even this, this call, you know, right before we start recording the podcast, you're telling me about one of the neighborhoods you guys are working in and you've got houses in and you're just trying to find solutions to some of those challenges that are there. How, how have you, like, you're such a solution oriented person. Has that always just been a part of your DNA? Have you always just tried to find the solutions or is that something that you've had to cultivate over the years? I mean, and, and I would say with solution oriented, you're just, you're a doer. <laughs> we talk about this sometimes. Some leaders want to talk. You're like, no, let's, let's get some things done. Yeah. And, and uh, I do feel very strongly that we all have our gifts yeah. and things we're good at. I do like to do, um, but I don't like to sit and plan. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really boring. Yeah. I don't like to read, you know, hundred page documents. I think that's really boring. Yeah. So, you know, someone else is good at that and I'm good at this part of it. And, you know, we, we can't be, we can't have all the gifts. So we each have our own little gift and working together that makes all the gifts. And if everyone does their little part, that's what makes the world a great place. Yeah. And I feel um, comfortable, you know, knowing what my gifts are and talking about them and also talking about my weaknesses or areas that I don't have a gift. And that that's good. Cause that gives you a chance to invite other people who do have that yep. to be part. And I think it's magical uh, really that when working together, we can do anything. We really yep. can. Yeah. Um, so talk but, about your, your leadership style. Like how would you describe your leadership style? And even over the years, maybe where have you had to grow and learn the most? Yeah. Uh, well, that's, um, a good question. Uh, because I think our gift can also be our weakness, right? Yep. Yep. So I, I do like to do things fast. I like to action, you know, I like to snap my finger and go fast um, but then sometimes I'm fast in saying something without thinking yeah. <laughs> or over committing to something yep. or, you know, so-and-so, you know, this, that, and the other thing I do that all the time, just like too fast, like, okay, slow down. Yep. Um, but so I have, um, you know, for me, it's about like pausing to let someone else have the idea and run with it. Um, I, I never feel like it has to be me. Ever. I have no pride of that, but it's just my speed. I'd like to go fast. And, yep. and I mean, it's a strength, but it's also a weakness. So yeah. I'm always oh, yeah. kind of monitoring that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's good. Just, just for context, in terms of your demographics, the number of people that you, you guys employ, that you work with, yeah. houses that you guys do on an annual basis, give us some of the, the numbers that you, you kind of the organization kind of oversees. 
Yeah, so we have, uh, I think, around 110 um, employees, uh, team members, uh, 14,000 volunteers. We have a lot of volunteers um, helping in this work. Um, But, uh, and also the community. So the the habitat model, which is so beautiful, is that, again, everyone does their part. So, uh, you know, our homeowners are doing their part. They're, you know, leaders in the community and their mortgage payment helps other folks build their house. So it's every, everybody doing their part. Um, But the the thing I like about the organization that, that fits my personality is that innovation. So, and you add that to, you know, to the gifts I think that God has given me, which is seeing the the opportunity and making something happen. Uh, I I do want to make sure and share on this podcast, there are some things, some barriers, I think, that get in the way Mm. of people being able to be successful. Yep. And and I see that in our community right here. Um, So I think there's some opportunities there that everyone could do something to make a big difference. Yep. Would you want to elaborate on any of those uh, barriers? you're sure <laughs> how did you guess uh, <laughs> seemed like you had a few of them maybe that you potentially could speak to i know i was just trying to pause there so i didn't just keep talking no no it's that. good that's good uh but i feel you know something that's on my heart right now and and again i i, I feel like god has given me the eyes to be able to see things um mm-hmm. and to see how the opportunity can um transform um, but one is, is uh, obviously, we all know that housing and, and is a big issue right now, that the prices have gone way up. There was already a shortage, and now even more pr- people are priced out, and yeah. it's getting to be a problem, not just in our community of Omaha, but around the country. Mm-hmm. And I um, would just like to invite uh, anyone listening, any of your fans, Josh, um, I think workforce housing is really one of the answers and Mm. having employers be part of the solution um, doesn't have to be, uh, you know, the big thing. It doesn't have to be uh, going to build your own apartments as an employer, but there's um, things that can be done to help employees achieve home stability that I think uh, we've Habitat Omaha is rolling it out with a few employers locally, Mm. um, one of which is um, Tyson Foods. So proud to to be working with them. Um, They really want to make a difference for their employees. Mm. And and also Children's Hospital is going to become a partner for their employees. But but figuring out how to remove barriers for home stability If all the employers were helping think about this for their own employees, yep. uh, then uh, it would look different. It would look different. In our and I, I just, just want to share uh, because I have no ego and therefore I can be vulnerable here. Yeah. Um, but in looking at this um, as a partner with some of the employers, Uh, we looked within, we looked at our own staff and we realized that some of our own staff had housing instability. Yeah. And so we have been working with our own employees as well to get them mortgage ready. Mm. And, um, and, you know, there are houses available, but sometimes it's the fact that people don't have credit uh, or have credit issues or so forth. Mm. And I just want to invite anyone listening. uh, It's not, doesn't always matter how much you make. There's people that have credit issues at all income levels, 
and there, it is very stressful and there are solutions. So uh, if you have credit issues, get the support that you need because yep. it, it is easy. It's really not that hard to fix yep. um, the little guidance and it will relieve so much stress. So that's so, one thing. Well, I'll, just, I'll just pause there for one second and just say, number one, that is so good. And so good that there's the resources out there. I know this is something we've talked about for a while and we've had different individuals from, from our community that we work with that have applied and worked and partnered and have actually lived in some of the Habitat homes. And, and so super grateful for that resource and just how you keep making it available to anybody and everybody. That's what I, I love about your style of leadership. It's not even just about Habitat. It's about how many people can we serve based on the resources that we have. Yeah. And, and you're always willing to share those resources. And then number two, I just love and appreciate, and this is something I've always appreciated about you, is you're willing to look internally and willing to, to, to say, are we really living out the values that we profess? You know, whether it's on the housing side, whether, you know, we've had a lot of conversations on the race side of things. I mean, you're, you're as a leader to look internally, that sets the tone for the entire organization. And it's one of the most powerful things that you can do. So I just applaud you for that. Not, and not just doing it, but being willing to share and talk about it. And I think housing is one of those things that we can take for granted if it's not an issue that we have. Right. Personally. Yeah. And so we don't think anybody else really struggles with some of those same things. And you look at some of the generational challenges for many of us. We grew up in a home and our parents owned a home and then our parents taught us how to own a home. It was expected that we would own a home, whereas many in our community never lived in a home that was owned by anybody and never understood what it looked like and never lived with an expectation to own a home. And so it's such foreign territory for so many people. Mm -hmm. And so to be intentional about looking within is, is hugely important. I love that, the practicality of what you shared. Yeah. It's good. good. Thank you. Well, you just said something too, uh, uh, that th this is the other thing I really would like um, anyone listening or, you know, even thinking about your own, uh, your own uh, folks at Abide or the people yeah. you work with in the neighborhoods to help spread the word on this. Um, an even bigger tragedy than uh, that generational, you know, no one's ever owned a home and missing that knowledge uh, is when the home is owned and it's lost yep. due to the um, the house not transferring properly to the next generation. Yep. And that, uh, you know, my eyes have been open. That is, um, that's the systemic racism that um, it's systemic. It, it's yep. it's not necessarily anyone's fault, but because the um, the North Omaha community didn't know this the rules. That's right. Um, yep. the, you know the system. They didn't know the rules that yep. the houses aren't transferring properly, and so there's a whole uh, wealth transfer that isn't happening, and that generational wealth is lost, hmm. and it is a tragedy. Yep. And so that is something that we're really trying to raise the banner around, um, not because it's even our focus, but because we actually see, because when we acquire properties, we see that the title, how cloudy the titles are. Yep. So many properties in our community in North Omaha, 
but also other communities, not the big cities as much, but yeah. um, our size have that. And so I am really encouraging everyone to get a will done. Yeah. That's everybody, regardless of um, anything. Everyone should have a will. But if you also have a lower income and don't make that much money, or maybe your family doesn't have access to money, a will isn't enough because it won't transfer. You have to go through probate then. And that's one of those rules that people mm. don't know about, or maybe they don't have the money to hire an attorney. And so it puts people at a disadvantage. So uh, there's a tool in Nebraska anyway, and I think some other states have it as well called transfer of deed at death. It costs $10 to file and it ensures that the family property will go to the person that they want wow. it to go to automatically when they die. I think it's so important, Josh. I just, I hope you and all those, you know, can keep mm. spreading the word on this. We're working with legal aid and volunteer um, lawyers project to yeah. actually get these done for people. Wow. I love that. I love that. I mean, I remember at one point in time, I heard a stat. I don't know if this is still true, but seven out of 10 homes in North Omaha are owned by people outside the community. And when you think about that from an ownership perspective, from a, this is my community perspective, but then when you think about it from a wealth transfer perspective, mm -hmm. I mean, uh, housing is one of the greatest long-term financial investments. Mm -hmm. There's a reason that people all over, I mean, I'm amazed at the number of young people I meet who are buying homes at a young age. My sister at 18 bought her first rental property. And uh, I wish I was as smart as she was <laughs> at 18. I wish I had as much money as she had at 18 too. But it's one of the biggest investments people make when it comes to long-term investing. And so in our community, you're exactly right when you talk about the 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 uh, just the redlining and the generational gaps that we have going on. And then there's not the relational equity to find solutions to these challenges that we're talking about. And so I love that Habitat, you guys are stepping in the gap and mm -hmm. you're providing solutions for those in our community. I think a huge piece too is for those of us in the community to really keep casting that vision for what home ownership can do for your family. Yes. Because they, they don't take advantage of some of those opportunities because there's not a vision for how it can actually lead to generational opportunity, generational wealth, generational just stability. Um, so, I mean, th those are some powerful, practical ways that people can get in the game, number one. And number two, such a powerful, practical way to be a part of the racial uh, challenges in our city and to really bridge the gap between maybe those who have opportunity and those who don't. Yeah. I love yeah. that. See, that's, that's what I love about you. You're going to have some very practical, powerful ways for people to get involved. It's good. Yeah. And I think, I think your point about homeownership is really right. I mean, obviously it's what Habitat believes in is homeownership because of that equity building. Um, but we just had a, a woman who, um, she bought her house from Habitat, I think in the year 2000, mm. I think it was $52,000 at the time. Uh, her house payment was affordable though. I think it was about yeah. 300 a month because, you know, it was zero interest and it allowed her to go back to school yeah. at the age of like 50. She got her um, bachelor's degree, allowed mm. her to get a higher paying job. And then she needed to move from Omaha. This was last year. And 
uh, her house, I think she only had 10,000 left on the mortgage wow. and then uh, was able to sell the house for almost a hundred thousand. And then, you know, that's $90,000 in her pocket. Wow. It's a Huge. lot of money. Sets her up for the next season, the next stage yeah. of life. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're renting that whole time, you have nothing at the right. end, except for her pay. What would have happened was her monthly rent would have kept going up. Yeah. But as a having a mortgage, it doesn't. It keeps yep. it stable. Yep. That's huge. Huge. I'd love for you to talk about, I know you guys are also working on a couple other projects. One really big project that I don't know where you guys are in terms of yeah. moving forward with it, but just talk about that that project and maybe any other large projects that you have going on right now. Yeah. So um so people um who've lived in Omaha a while would be familiar with the old winter green apartments. Yep. Or prior to that they were called the Mayot Park apartments and over at 50th and Sorensen and it's 18 yep. acres. It was um demolished by the city I think in 2005. Mm. Uh and then nothing was nothing was happening really, that nothing was going there and um, nothing was being developed. And so um, we we bid on the, the uh, right to develop that property. And I think uh, I think we were the only ones. Um, Nobody else wanted to take that yeah, on. <laughs> let's face it, if it was easy, it would have already been done. Uh, yep. It is hard. And that's the purpose of a nonprofit is to do things that, that the um, market or capitalism can't right. take care of. Yep. And so we'll be doing um, 85 units of mm -hmm. single family homes. Wow. And um, what I'm really excited about, which is new and different is for us is it's going to be a multi-generational development. Wow. So there'll be 20 of the units will be uh, villas uh, kind of geared towards empty nesters. Mm -hmm. And you know, they have that all over West Omaha. They have villas right. uh, and uh, they don't have that in North Omaha. Right. And, and But there's a lot of empty nesters, people in their 40s, 50s, 60s yep. that don't want the same outdoor maintenance. And, yep. and we're also going to be doing some multi-generational homes. So it's a, an attached apartment within the home yep. um, for those that have um, multiple generations living together. I love that. Huge project. That's going to be, I mean, all brand new right off of 50th and, and Sorensen. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Now for, for like that project for your others, I know you guys, you said 14,000 volunteers that you get to come in all the time. I mean, you guys mobilize volunteers as well as anybody, you know, what are some of the ways that if people want to volunteer, especially kind of during this Christmas season, while the weather so far, it hasn't been too, uh, too cold outside. Are there some projects people can get involved in? Yeah, we, we always have projects. People can go to our website. Um, where we really need help right now is at our restore locations, yep. uh, which is where we sell new and used building materials. Um, there's staffing shortages. Uh, and so we're short staffed and our teams are working so hard. Yep. And I don't think people always think to volunteer there. Um, people can also donate um, items that would otherwise go in the landfill. Um, so building materials or um, furniture, you know, home decorations, things like that, light fixtures. So don't throw it in the landfill. You'd be surprised at what we save from the landfill. Yeah. And, well, now, yeah. now more than ever with building costs and materials, yeah. those things are definitely worth something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then, 
you know, Josh, I just want to commend you uh, uh, because our worlds intersect in a lot of different ways. Yeah. And I, I just see you as such a good partner, um, even though we don't get to see each other every day. Yep. Uh, it's like we're tackling the same things, but slightly differently, which is needed. Yep. There's not the same solution um, for every problem. And uh, you are an inspiration. I mean, even just you doing this and helping um, give stories of leadership. And I mean, it's just always above and beyond what you do and how you think about community and relationship building. So thank you. I appreciate that. I, I feel the exact same way. And even as we were talking, I was thinking, I mean, one of the first questions I'm sure you get, I get asked all the time, do you guys do anything with Habitat? Do you do anything with Habitat? Uh -huh. and, and I'm like, yes, we, we always looking for ways to partner and just the relationship, the friendship with you and, and some of your team over the years, I mean, has been amazing. And we are tackling the same issues, slightly different ways. But I tell people, we need more Habitat homes. We need more programs. We need more resources. I mean, our community has a lot of challenges. And so more than anything, number one, we don't need to be competing with each other. We need to be oh, elevating no. each other. And yes. we need more. I think we would be the first to say we need more leaders. We need more organizations, people who are committed to bringing solutions to our community. And, and part of that, that's why this podcast exists, because we're saying even to all the listeners out there in our city, Habitat needs more volunteers. Abide needs more volunteers. We need more resources. There is plenty of opportunity for all of us to get in the game. And the more of us that get in the game, the more impact that's going to happen, the more change yeah. that's actually going to transpire. Yeah. So, I think, I think it's funny you hit on it. I hear that all the time. Like who are your competitors? Right. <laughs> like, that's not how nonprofits think, you know, we're, we're all working towards the same goal is to kind of end need Big time. Um, that, that people face. And so, and, and I think part of it is too people's maybe your lack of understanding on, on maybe the, the, the number and the, the amount of challenges that are in our community, oh. but also just within any community, the community rises and falls on leadership and we need more leaders and we need more organizations. I think I've appreciated too, and getting to know you over the years, I don't know how many years it's been now, but it's been, it's been a couple of years. I feel like you were, I mean, you have always been great to me. Even when I first started, I had no clue what I'm doing and still don't know what I'm doing. Um, me neither. <laughs> But just always super helpful. Um, but I've appreciated learning more about what Habitat does. And, you know, it's not just putting up a new house. There's the refurbishment of old. There's the cleaning up of lots. There's the stuff that we just talked about on the financing side and really helping people understand how do you own a home. I mean, there's so much that you guys do that I would have never known about unless, you know, our relationship and being able to hear more. One thing I'd love for you to share, and, and I don't know if you have this word for word, but one time you brought out, I think it was the founder of Habitat and why Habitat was started from the jump. And, and I loved hearing kind of that, the why and kind of that original statement, because it really describes, I think, the heart behind what you guys are doing and even the heart behind why you love leading an organization like Habitat. Do you, right. do you, do you remember, I mean, I'm sure you know what it is, but what was that phrase statement? 
Well, I, I, I think I know what you're talking about. And, uh, you know, Habitat was started on an interracial commune in Georgia in the 60s. Mm. Um, and it, you know, it was very wow. um, ahead of its time. Big time. <laughs> and and uh, that's where the idea founded. Uh, but what they said then, and we have it on a quote on our wall, so I'm thinking this is what you mean. Uh, it's about partnership. Yeah, it's it's uh, the idea that uh, what people, the poor, what people yep. need is not caseworkers but coworkers. So good. And and, um, and I think that's true. Uh, and that's what we do. I know you do too. Is, is yep. that this is a partnership? Um, you know, no one's better than anyone just because you have more money. Yep. Uh, we all have something to bring. Yep. Um, it's just about access and giving yep. that access. And now, you know, the last year has really given us the language uh, access to capital yes. um, uh, and how inequitable that has been over the years and how yep. that has put people at a disadvantage. Big time. And, and you helped me see that too, um, Josh, as one of my, that was a pivotal moment for me, helping me see that the access I had was a really a gift to be able to share with others. Um, yep. And so thank you for that. It was, Good. it was very powerful. Um, but yeah, Habitat is, is definitely about that partnership and, and it fits, fits my personality. But I want, I want to say one really important thing, which I forgot about, uh, is that advocacy. Uh, I know we're not an advocacy organization. Yeah. We're not an advocacy organization, but the ability to use your influence, yes. uh, you, yours and mine, our organizations, but also to those listening, uh, you have influence. Um, calling elected officials, it really does matter. And not along party lines, yep. um, but just thinking thought provokingly um, to help the elected officials see what's really going on in the community yep. and make a difference and helping them know that the cost of home is no longer affordable for so many really yeah. does make a difference. So I think advocacy is another way that people can make a difference without even having to leave their home. Yep. So good. And, and all of it, like you said, all of it does matter. It all adds up. You never know who's listening, social media. You know, I, we, we talk about advocating in a life lifting way, in a way that builds and encourages and that solution focus, but Love we that. all have a voice more than ever, and we can use that voice. We can use that influence to make a difference. What One thing I want to say, based on what you said before, it's so interesting. Habitat started in the 60s, and it was in the fit. It was 1950. It was actually 1949 Housing Act that created redlining. Oh, and yeah. The term inner city didn't become popularized until the 60s and 70s. And so it's when you talk about generational poverty, generational inequity, I mean, you're talking about decisions that were made that led to real consequences, that led to labels being put on people and communities that has been perpetuated for generations. And so when we talk about even the idea of no inner city or we want to redefine a new inner city, we want to take off that label that was put on our community as a result of decisions that were made a generation earlier. And that's exactly what Habitat has been about. I mean, you, like you said, you guys were on the front end right when even that language started to be utilized 
as a result of a decision 10 years earlier to not to limit people's access to home ownership. Yeah. I mean, that's a powerful history. Yeah, and, and I, I thank you for bringing that up because I don't think people realize it wasn't that long ago. It wasn't <laughs> that long big, ago. These big decisions really yeah. changed the trajectory um, for the black community yeah. really significantly. And, you know, I think sometimes people can feel hopeless when they look back at, yeah. at the wrongs that were done, um, both white and black people yeah. looking back. It's, it's shameful um, for white people and it's awful um, for black people. But you can sometimes lose hope. But I, I just always feel like, well, what can we do from this day forward yep. so that 20, 30, 40 years from now, we're not looking yep. back with regrets from yep. this day forward? What are we going to do so that the future folks yep. can be proud of this moment? Um, and there are there are ways um, we you see the good in people all the time. I love that advocating in a life lifting way. Yep. Um, but it has to start with us, every one of us. Right. And yep. it has to just start from this moment forward. So good. Yeah. If, if it wasn't that long ago that those decisions were made and the negative consequences transpired, what could happen if we make some really good decisions today in the next 10, 20, 30 years? Right. And uh, I, lo I love that. Mindset. That's why, Josh, I feel so, so propelled by this tr uh, title issue and the house is not transferring properly yeah. because eventually there's going to be gentrification. It just That's happened. Right. Yep. The property values are going to go up. I don't believe in that yep. in gentrification, but one of the ways to keep it so it doesn't happen or so at least the people in the community benefit is yep. by having the pr um, properties transfer properly. Um, to their kids. Yes. And my dream is that every single person in North Omaha has a will or transfer mm. deed at death so That's that good. their home is not lost um, to their family when they pass away. That's good. I love that. Come on. That's a dream that we can get behind and 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 I'll be a part of at some level too. I, I, I love this saying, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Yeah. And if we could do that for one person, if we could see one person's uh, uh, house, home ownership get transferred to the next generation, if we could see one person receive the benefits. I mean, the story you shared already, that's a powerful story of transformation. And now the impact she's going to have on the world around her is going to be exponential. So thank you for what you do. I know we could keep talking. I love yeah. hearing the stories. I love just you kind of sharing some practical opportunities for us. Just a, a little recap and listening to your story. Number one, from a personal perspective, anybody listening, you've got influence, even if you're in a job right now that you don't like. It actually might be the stepping stone to the next opportunity that God has for you because God has called you to do something specific. And part of our journey in life is finding out where we're gifted and where we're called and what that looks like. And so be encouraged wherever you are. It's just a setup for the next opportunity that God has. And then walk through those open doors. When, when a door opens up, say yes to it. Maybe you're listening today and you're listening yeah. to Amanda and it's like, shoot, I need to go sign up at Habitat. I need to go be a part of what they're doing. Sign up. Maybe you need to be a part of Abide. Whatever it is, find and, and walk through those doors that are opened up organizationally, Man, support 
great causes, support causes in your community that are making a difference. Get in the game, volunteer, support them financially. So many practical ways, opportunities. I loved, you might need to go back and listen to this again because some of the things Amanda shared earlier, you, you need to use your voice and uh, you need to use your influence and maybe you know somebody you need to call. Maybe your business needs to sign up and you need to be a part of making sure all your employees have the right uh, set up to make sure that they have home ownership and, and they're just stable uh, when it comes to their personal lives. So, so many great nuggets, so many great things. Amanda, any final words you want to encourage our listeners with to, to just encourage them to get in the game? Make sure they have a will. <laughs> Make sure you got a will. Start at your own home. <laughs> Start with your own home, your own. And hey, if you need help, you're listening. Yeah. I'd say connect with Habitat. They've got the resources, and uh, I know that they love to love to help. Amanda, can't thank you enough. Again, you are an incredible leader in our community. Grateful for your friendship. Grateful for your influence. Grateful for the way Habitat has supported Abide over the years. We've been able to partner. I know there's going to be so much more in the future, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So thank you so Me much too. for being with us. Me too. Thank you.